At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through our message series, Soul Food, when a meal with Jesus was more than food, we'll unpack what Jesus has to teach us from the time He spent around the table. Here in the ordinary, everyday sharing of a meal, we'll discover who Jesus came for, what it takes to be with Him, and how you and I can be changed by His greatness and grace. So today, again, it's Easter Sunday. Yes, we could celebrate that. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Winston, if you're a guest. Uh, if you've not been here in a while, I'm the campus pastor here of Woodside Chesterfield. And, um, and we are just thrilled to be able to celebrate this morning. If you've been here the last month, you know we've been talking about uh, sharing a meal with Jesus. What would that look like? What would that be like? And it's a series called Soul Food. And, and the concept is, is that God, through Jesus, right? He loved to share meals with people. And so often, something of significance happened around food, right? Does that sound similar in our lives? Some of us, we are going to leave today, we're going to walk out the doors, and we're going to have an, an Easter feast. It's a celebration. We're going to have Thanksgiving or, or, or Christmas or Fourth of July, and there's going to be food involved. And so this idea of sharing a meal with Jesus really tried to get that stirring in our mind. What would that be like if we're sitting across from Christ and, and we're having food with him? And so I want to ask that question one more time. What if you could have a meal with Jesus? I think about that and there's there's, there's so many facets to a meal. Like one, would I DoorDash it? <laughs> you know, when I do some Uber Eats, like I don't even want to think about details. I just want to get some DoorDash because I want to focus on Jesus, right? Or, or would you do fast food going through a drive-thru, like going through a McDonald's or, or I don't know, maybe like a Panera and you just do that. Or maybe you want to do a sit down. You're like, okay, I, this is Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even tip 25%, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to take care of the waiter or waitress. So you have a sit down. Or do you go home and you're like, man, what is Jesus like? He's the son of God, you know? Like, uh, what, what do I make for him? And you got to think about those details. Then there's like uh, small talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, let's get through that first minute or two of small talk. You know, hey, uh, the Tigers have a losing record again to start the year. Like, how's it going? You know, uh, uh, how's heaven? You know, like, what, what do you talk about to start that off? Do you get serious from the beginning? Or do you have this little like, hey, let's get to know you, but he knows everything about me. So where do I go from there? Or do you go into your questions? We all got our laundry list of questions we want to ask God. Like, man, did, did Noah really build a giant boat? And then the earth was flooded. And then it was him and just seven other people that were on this boat. And God started over with them. Or, or maybe it's David. Like, did he really go to a river and, and pull out a little stone and kill a giant, like a Shaquille O'Neal-sized giant, and with a, with a little sling and a rock? 
Or maybe he even talked like, hey, Jesus, I know you did a bunch of awesome things, but did you really like raise that guy from the dead or that son from the dead? Did you really heal that sick person? You know, you, you think about those questions. Some of us, it might be like, we're just like repenting, like, God, please forgive me. I've messed up. I've screwed up. And we're just there confessing everything in our life. But regardless, I want us to think about that. I think if some of us were in that meal, we would ask the question, did the resurrection actually happen? Like, did you really raise from the dead? Is that just a figurative thing or did you physically die, was buried, and then on the third day, you raised up. Because you gotta think about it. We needed the death, we needed the cross, but our hope is in his resurrection. Our hope is that he raised up. That after three days, breath entered his lungs again and he was alive. And because of that, Anyone, any person who puts their trust in him are said in the word of God, if you believe, if you repent, you're saved. You can have eternal life, which is, which is hard to even think about, an eternity with God where there's no death, there's no pain, there's no hatred, there's no divorce, there's no bitterness, you know, there's none of it. And he says these things. And so I really want to paint this picture correct. So let's just imagine that you're with Jesus and you're having a meal with him and you pull up a chair and you sit down and maybe he has the disciples there and maybe they're all talking and it's after he's raised up, right? And you're just listening, what are some of the things that we would find out in that conversation if we were just listening, just gleaning from that conversation? I believe there's three things we would discover. And the first one is we would discover that the resurrection is true. That, that the resurrection actually happened. Like, it's not just the, okay, it's, it's symbolic or, you know, it, it's something that he, he means this when he says, no, like that actually happened. We, we would figure that out. I was looking up the definition of true and it, that, it means that which is in accordance to fact or reality. I still remember a conversation I had with a professor from Harvard who was at my friend's bachelor party and we were in downtown Indianapolis and we're talking and, and he got his master's in divinity and now he's a pastor in the Boston area and, and he did not believe, he believed that the word was of value or importance or helped with moral character. But he's like, are you kidding? Do you really believe that Jesus he raised up. Here's a guy who was a pastor. Here's a guy who went to their divinity school. Here's a guy who's leading people. And he thought it was absurd that the resurrection actually happened. 
And I want to tell you guys, if we were in that conversation, one thing we'd realize is the resurrection is true. And we're going to be reading and learning that. And I got some things to defend that truth. And so we're going to be in Luke 24, specifically starting in verse 36. And I want us to really dig in and see what this text is trying to say. So Luke 24, 36, this is what it says. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they had saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. And so this is really hard for me because I've read this a bunch of times, but I'm really trying to put myself in their shoes. Like, I'm like, okay, let let me just, um, Jesus, like, we know this story because this happened 2,000 years ago. These disciples did not know this story, and there in front of them is a dude, their savior, who was dead. (laughs) And now he is standing there, and he's alive. <laughs> you know, some critics against the resurrection, uh, they always say that, man, how, how can you really believe that someone overcame death? Like, like think with me. This doesn't just happen. Like, when, when someone dies, they're, they're dead. <laughs> they don't resurrect. We don't really see that. When they're gone, they're gone. And so, with this, it's hard to believe that not just his death, but an excruciating, painful, abusive scourging from the Romans, he endured that as well, and then he was crucified. And then he just emerged out of a tomb, whole, healed, and, and stronger than ever. And so I, I think about that, and I want to speak to some people in this room. If you have doubts about that, if you doubt the resurrection, I want you to know that you're not alone. Even Jesus' disciples doubted. Even the people that lived, walked, ate, hung out, even they struggled with that. So if they struggled with that, why would we be any different? And so Jesus in this moment that we see, he He approaches this in such a loving way. Before, you know, you had these women that went to the tomb and and they go to the tomb and they look in there and, and they see that it's empty and there's an angel and then they are going back to tell the disciples and then they tell the disciples and they don't believe. And so then what happens is even in that disbelief, they don't just say, oh, that's not true, I don't care. They actually start searching for facts. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. And so Peter and John, they take off running. 
If they completely no way believed, then they would have just stayed there. But they started searching for facts. They start searching. I have a person that I'm trying to talk to them about Jesus, and, and I'm like, okay, if you don't believe, at least do this. At least try this. At least read the New Testament. And, and they won't even search. They won't even try. They won't even look for facts because they don't want to know facts. Peter and John, they went looking to see what was true. It says in Luke 24, 11, these words from the women seemed to them like nonsense and they did not believe them. But it's intriguing to me because they still went on a run. <laughs> they still went on a little jog to see that tomb with their own eyes. And when they saw it empty, then there's this other story, right? There's these disciples going to Emmaus. Maybe you've heard of the road to Emmaus. And they're walking and they're sad and they're gloomy. And then Jesus, he's just like, he joins them on their journey. Hey, guys. And then, um, then when he's with them and walking, they're just like, have you not heard that, that Jesus is, is, is dead? He was a prophet. He was doing this and that. And then he went on to teach them. He went on to teach them what the Bible said about the Savior. And then he went and was going to walk further and said, hey, come stay with us. Come stay the night. It's late. And he's like, all right, sure. And then get this. They were eating a meal. And then he broke bread and he blessed it. And then he disappeared. And then they took off on a run and ran all the way back to Jerusalem. The road from Jerusalem to Emmaus was about seven miles. So in one day they went seven miles to Emmaus and then seven miles back to Jerusalem, a 14-mile journey. And they told the disciples. And when they were in the middle of telling the disciples, that's when Jesus appeared. I think Jesus knew what he was doing. You know, sometimes we hype stuff. You know, Easter or Good Friday or Jesus was a hype man too. <laughs> he was building it up. He, the tomb was empty. And then he had the road to Emmaus. And then he appeared there in their midst when they were discussing what had happened. And what was their first response? They were terrified. <laughs> A ghost! Like, are you, that, that, that can't be him. So all these things that happen, and they still were battling to believe. Remember what I said, hey, don't beat yourself. If this, is, if this is a struggle for you, the disciples struggled. And, and, and this is so Jesus, he answers their apprehension with three proofs. He starts to help them digest what was happening. The first thing he did is he addresses their mental and emotional fear and distress. <laughs> like they're freaking out, right? They're wigging out because here is their savior who is dead and he's alive now and, and they're struggling with this and he, and he communicates, he speaks to what they're feeling. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? He knows that this is a lot. And so in this moment, when they're seeing a resurrected friend of theirs, he wants to ease them to truth. 
I thought of that when I was working on that this week, and I thought about November 28th, 2012, my birthday. <laughs> Turned 24 or 25. And my wife came up to me before I was leaving to work, and she said, hey, honey. <laughs> hey, what's, what's going on? Good, good looking? You know, or something like that. She said, we're pregnant. I said, what? <laughs> no, you're messing with me. You're joking, right? Your first response, this isn't true. Like, we just got married a couple years ago. This can't be. Think about the time when someone told you or an aunt or uncle or sister or brother. The first thing is, are you, are you messing with me? And even after the next week or two until we got the ultrasound, I was still like, is this really true? I just, it doesn't seem real. And then they, they took this weird goop <laughs> and put it on her belly. And then they put this ultrasound machine dinghy. <laughs> and then I heard a heartbeat. I saw this little like ball of things. <laughs> cells. And tears started running down my eyes. It is true. I am really having a child. Like I, I really am. They're just like, there was just, I needed to see something. I needed to experience something. I just, I, I believed my wife. I trust my wife, but there was just something that I was just like, is this real? Is it real? Like, it's too good to be true. I'm going to be dad. You know, all the thoughts running through my mind. And so with that, that address where I was like, you know, struggling, Jesus addresses their mental and emotional distress. And the second thing he does is he addresses their concern that he was a ghost, they thought he was a ghost that just appeared in their midst. And in verse 39, he invites them to see his hands and his feet. Not just see, touch, feel. Like, feel for yourself. I ain't no ghost. And that debunked what a lot of people call the hallucination theory. <laughs> Like maybe they're just tripping on narcotics and, and this wasn't real. He said, no, this is real. Touch and see. Feel the scars. And you'll tell that I'm, I'm not a ghost. And the last thing he does is he eats. He says, hey, you guys got some food? Can I raid your fridge? And they went and they, and they brought him fish. And it makes you think in this moment where they had this, this cautious bewilderment, it, it makes you think like, why did he need food? Was he actually hungry or was it another sign that he wanted to show them that he was real? Hey guys, it's okay. I know you're wigging out. Hey, feel my hands. Oh, I'm hungry too. Food gives us life. If I don't have food, if I don't have water, I start to die. I'm hungry. <laughs> Can I have some food? He was showing them and communi communicating to them 
that he was physically there. And he was ready to have fellowship with them again. It's a beautiful thing. He was showing them that he had truly risen from the dead. You know, I think if I was dead for three days and I was like, hey, hook me up with food, Route 44 Cherry Limeade from Sonic. That's what I'm getting. 14 ounce uh, sirloin from uh, Longhorn, right? I'm gonna start getting my list. I had some chips from Detroit Wing Company. Those were fire. They were so good. I would say, hey, bring me, bring me some food. I've been dead for three days. Sharing a meal, we're back together. The group is back together. And they were seeing that proof. And then, and then there was that, that evidence in scripture. Now the question for us is do we believe it's true? I don't know anyone in this room, maybe you have and you haven't told me, I don't know anyone who's physically touched the scars of Jesus. I don't know anyone in this room that has shared a meal physically with Jesus. Maybe some of you have, I, I don't know. But we have what's written here. And the question is, do we believe that the resurrection is true? Second thing I think that we would discover if we were eavesdropping and having a, a meal with Jesus is, is we would realize that Jesus' resurrection is taught it's actually taught. Let's look at uh, Luke 24, verse 44 through 46. And this is what it says. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on, on the third day rise from the dead. So as Jesus was with them, he gave them their evidence, gave them evidence of his resurrection. He also taught them what the Bible actually says. So now they got the proof and then they have the Old Testament proof. He's like, hey guys, the Bible, everything points to me. And he said the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and the Old Testament, they used to divide it into three sections, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he's saying everything in the Old Testament points to me and it's been affirmed. It's been written. So he didn't just show them. He didn't just share a meal with them. He started to teach them another lesson. Hey, let me show you. I've been saying this, and, and now you're having that aha moment. They're having that kind of like drop the mic moment. And, and he's showing from, from Genesis 3 where it says that one day Satan will be crushed underfoot. That, that they are going to see and, and that they are going to believe and they're going to experience. But what I love most is he says that he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Like there's a miracle happening here. He opened their eyes. They weren't able to see it. They weren't able to understand it. And so I could imagine what they were feeling. We all have that in our jobs, in our homes. Someone says something like, I've never thought about that before. Like if Adam and Eve had belly buttons, you know, like did they, you know, belly buttons, 
They're a sign of you were a baby in a womb and the umbilical cord, or, or maybe our age is just merely how many times that we've circled around a giant ball of fire. Like, you think about it, you're like, oh, I never really thought about that. Like, in this moment, he made them say, oh, I, I see. I understand that Jesus is the center. He's the apex of the Bible. His crucifixion and, and his resurrection, they're not just detours of the story. Like, they are the center of the story. That he came, and it's not a myth. You know, we always talk about like blind faith. You know, like, I, I believe, but I, I have no clue what's true. There's more truth and more fact that we can find out than we think. There's more objective truths that, that we can find. I love this quote by Augustine of Hippo and Anselm. They say, for I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. For this is also, for this also I believe, that unless I believed, I should not understand. It's a tongue twister right there, but it means this. Faith seeking understanding. Like we just had a baptism here, right? We had a couple baptisms. Does that mean they know the Greek of every word for baptism and every detail of the Bible? Unless you guys do. Okay, you could come up here and preach then. Uh, no. That's a line in the sand. I believe, and God will affirm that belief over time. He will, he will show in different ways on the journey how much he's there and how much he is real and how much he will provide. We don't start the journey with, with being professors. We start as infants. And we need milk. We need diaper changes, you know. Some of us need spankings. We need that love and care and discipleship. We need it all. And so in this moment, we're seeing that, that these disciples, they, they're starting to figure it out. Their eyes are open. Their mind is open. And, and I believe as well that it's because God's going to commission them. We see, you know, the great commissions coming down the road. You know, we see that Jesus' resurrection was taught, and now Jesus' resurrection needs to be told. It doesn't end there. Some of us, we just, we fill our head with knowledge, but we need to exercise our faith. We need to tell it. We need to tell the story. And some of us, we just think the story can be told from a stage, I get more from, from someone in our church sharing the gospel with their neighbor than I do from a sermon being preached. Because it's like, okay, you're the pastor. I expect that, you know, you're, you're on the stage, you're sharing the word. No, it's, it's what happens when we leave this room. It's what happens, do I love my neighbor? Do I share my story? And so Jesus' resurrection, it needs to be told. I think we would discover that in that meeting with those disciples. I think we would discover that when he was talking to them. So let's stop, or let's start again reading in verse 47. This is what it says. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning 
from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, this is interesting because he's talking about that that great commission where he's going to send them out. And in this case, Christ was saying, hey, I was going to suffer. I was going to die. You know this. But now, because of this, repentance for the forgiveness of sins can be proclaimed to all the nations. The reality of the death and resurrection of Christ is that anyone who repents of their sins and embrace the faith of Christ, believe in him, will be saved. And and so I I, I think about that. Like, again, Christ is holy, is perfect, is sinless, and, and we are just, we just, we mess up, we sin. The very first time we sin, we're in need of a savior. And so Jesus came and he died in our place. He died on the cross for you and for me, defeating Satan, defeating sin and death for that eternal life. And we see again in the word of God in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the death, we will be saved. And so I want to call everyone in this room and say, do we believe that? Do we want to believe that? Because that's the good news. Like, that's the gospel. And some of us in, in this room, maybe, maybe today is the day that needs to happen. Because that chain has kept going for 2,000 years. People accepting, believing, starting churches. And now, right here off of Lake St. Clair and in, in the cold, uh, supposed to be spring weather, um, We still have a church here today. You know, um, I I love NBA. I love basketball. I played basketball. Got to play in high school and college. And I I just love the playoffs. It seems like the regular season is all, you know, whatever. People don't care as much. But when playoffs start, people get serious. And so I was watching a game the other day, and uh, this lady went on the court, and she glued herself to the court. She literally, she was trying to protest something. And, um, and so she glued herself to the court. Everyone was confused. They had to stop play. And I was alone watching the game. I was like, I got to tell Amanda. You know, where's Amanda? Lady glued herself to the I, I just, I wasn't going to stop until I told her. I know that's kind of a funny story, but, but I was amazed. I was like, I've never seen anything like that before. And I wanted to share that experience with someone. But I got a more serious story. Um, maybe you've heard of the gold rush, San Francisco. That all happened. It was like overnight. Someone found gold, and they didn't want to tell anyone because in that situation, they wanted all the gold for themselves. And so what happened was there was this man, um, and, and the man was named Sam Brannan. Sam Brannan, he realized that, hey, there's gold, and, and I could benefit off this. So he took just a small piece of gold, and he went into the town, and he said these words, 
Gold, 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 I, the American River. I don't know why he was a pirate. (laughs) And that town turned into a ghost town because everyone went to his store, they bought supplies, and they went to pan and mine for gold themselves. Everyone left because of what they were looking for and what it entailed. So the reality of the resurrection of Jesus it should move us. It should, it should motivate us to go to the world. I love this quote. If your gospel isn't moving other people, it's not moving you. If the gospel isn't uh, permeating your life and permeating through your life, then it, it's not truly moving you. I mean, you don't have to be the greatest uh, Bible scholar. You don't have to be the most uh, pervasive, uh, persuasive speaker, communicator. You don't need to have like a Bible college degree. You don't need to be a communicator like Billy Graham. All we know is when, even with Jesus, when he saved that guy who was demon possessed, he calls him to go home and tell his friends what the Lord had done for him. And when Jesus returned, the whole region was waiting to hear Jesus. Maybe we just got to go home and tell our story. Maybe we just got to go home and love our children well and raise them up in Christ. What would happen if we lived with that commission, what would happen with our church? What would happen with our communities? What would happen in our workplace? What would happen in our home? If we stood as followers and declared that, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And this leads to our big idea of this entire message that the living Jesus calls you to repent believe and live for him. Because guys, Jesus is alive. I believe it. The tomb, the tomb is empty. It's still empty. You can go to the Middle East and where they believe he was laid to rest, it is still empty. And we see Christ himself easing us to truth. Maybe some people in this room, we need to be eased to truth, believing, living for him. And if you've never taken that step, this could be your moment. You know, a band's going to come up here and we're going to sing one last song. And, and again, I think statistically in this room, we probably have people from all walks of life. We got our our hardcore, passionate, all-in followers of Jesus, maybe been here for years. We have some of our people that, man, we're just on the fence. We just don't know if even this is our community or, or maybe we're visiting. We have some people in this room, maybe we just, we just doubt. Maybe grandma forced me or dad forced me or Mom gave us the guilt trip eyes. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you're that person. I was that person. I don't want you to wait for tomorrow with what needs to happen right now. Give your life to Christ. Surrender your life to him. He's alive and he wants to know you. We want to know you. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.